0: Matthew chapter 6 verse 5 and we're going to hit 5 through 15. And we're just going to kind of talk about it. We're going to to kind of of talk through it. So in Matthew chapter 5 if you're there, I'm reading from the New King James Version if it's a little different. I know I'm always throwing different versions at you so uh, you guys just bear with me and hang on for the ride. So Matthew 6 verse 5. And when you pray... You shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the corners of the streets, and that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward, but you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. They think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. For your Father knows the things you have before you have need of before you even ask. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 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 Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Jesus began to preach this sermon. He's like midway through, halfway through, and he talks about prayer. And and before we start this morning, really digging, I want to say what prayer is not. Give you some kind of prayer is not, prayer is options. Number one this morning, prayer is not an opportunity to tout your agenda. I don't know if you guys have ever been in this situation, but but I've been in this situation where you hear someone praying, and and let um, me pray like this. Like I say that I have a buddy, Jason Warner, and um, say we're praying together, and I think I think that that, that Jason is a, is is impatient. So this is how I pray. I mean, I, I really that was not a real shot in real life. Those of you that know him know he could never be impatient. But here's the deal. Say so we'll pray together, and i think he's impatient. So this is my prayer. Father God in heaven, I pray that you would help us with our impatience. God, I pray that you would just burden us and convict us about our impatience. Now, what am I really praying? God, I pray you would just convict Jason of his impatience. Right? And husbands and wives, sometimes husbands and wives are the guiltiest, right? And that's the God, I pray you would just God, Lord, help us care more about the kids. <laughs> oh, that's not what you're really praying. <laughs> you're really praying, God, let you change a diaper this week. Right? See, so that, that's what, so, so prayer is not an opportunity to, ta- I just got some of you in trouble, you do all right. Prayer is not an opportunity to tap your agenda. It is not an opportunity to reenact the Shakespearean drama. Let me say it like this. It's a good thing that God understands old English. Because I don't. But when I hear people pray sometimes, when I hear people engage God in prayer, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not there are some people who pray with vows and these and our great majestic heavenly father who is enthroned in your omniscience. Right? Everybody standing around who should be edified by your brothers and sisters' prayer. If you're praying publicly, you're thinking, no, I don't you don't have to put on a performance. That's what I'm saying. You don't have to bring that to You don't have to put on a performance for God in your prayer life or for anybody else around you. Prayer is not an opportunity when you get asked to pray in church to show everybody how theologically astute you are. This is what I mean. Get asked to pray at Christmas or something. I don't know. So you sit out in a prayer and You say, God, I just want to thank you for the depth of your great incarnation through the picture of the hypostatic union, (laughs) so that the diversity of your omniscience can fall on your regenerated people. I can explain all those words to you, but in in a public gathering, it's not a place to show off and flex how theologically astute we are how much we know. The last thing is this before we get into what prayer is, which is my favorite part. Prayer is not a bargaining process with God. Prayer is not a time that we come to God and say, God, if you will do this, God, if you'll get me out of this jam, I'll serve you. God, if you'll do this, God, if you'll just... God, if you'll let those numbers hit this week, I don't know whatever you pray is, right? Your bargaining process with God. God, if you'll let this happen, I'll do this. It's not a situation. Sometimes we, we feel like prayer is, God, if you'll do this thing for me, then I'll do this. God, I, I'm praying just to kind of test you, and, and God, I'm praying, so let me, let me test you, God, and if you do these things, then I'll follow up and I'll do these things. Prayer's not a bargaining situation with God. This is what prayer is. Number one, if you are taking notes, what is prayer? Prayer is communion with God. Communion means intimacy, or closeness. James 4.8 says come near to God and He will come near to you. So prayer, number one thing if you're thinking about this morning, when you think about entering your prayer closet, like He said in Matthew 6 that we read that we're teaching from this morning, that you go into the secret place because prayer is intimacy with God. Prayer is this face-to-face communication where everything else is blocked out and it's you and God prayer is intimate. It's like Psalm 63 where David said, God, oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek thee. My flesh longs for you and my, my, my soul thirsts for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Think, think, about, think about that prayer, how intimate that prayer is. God, you are my God. Man, we read it and we memorize these scriptures, so we don't really get the sense of inflection. But I I feel David in the saying. He's saying, "God, you are my God." Early, he's begging. Early, will I seek you, God? My my flesh longs for you, and my soul thirsts for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. He was pleading with the Lord on an intimate. How many times have you called a friend up and been like, "Hey, bro"? We need some man time. We need to go hunting or fishing. My flesh longs for you. And I thought, no, right? No.
1: We don't know like that.
0: So, so in that picture, you, you think you would never speak to a friend with that much intimacy and that intensity. But David is saying, God, you're mine. You are my God. And I will seek you. I will chase after you I'll pursue you because my flesh, my flesh is weary. And what, what he was saying, he said, I'm burned out. God, I'm burned out. I'm done. I can't do it anymore. But then he says this just after that. He says, but I, my lips will praise you and I will bless you. I'll lift my hands up and be satisfied. Prayer is intimacy with God. The next thing... If you're taking notes, prayer is confession to God. So we have intimacy with God. It's confession to God. Psalm 51, 1-4, where David is repenting of his sin with Bathsheba and killing her husband Uriah. David prays this, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I have transgressed... Transgress, for my transgression is always before me against you and you only have I sinned. Not only is prayer intimacy, but prayer is also confession. Why does prayer have to also incorporate confession? Because He's the number one person we sin against. He's the first person we sin against. He's the only judge that can condemn us that we have sinned against. So why should prayer incorporate confession? And and I would challenge you to a daily life, a daily walk of repentance and confession. Why is that important? Because He is the only one that can forgive sin. He's the only one that can justify you before His Son. He's the only before His Father. He's the only one.
1: So you have to confess.
0: Not only is prayer communion, not only is it confession to God, but it is petition and pleading and begging for God. 2 Corinthians 12.8 says three times i pleaded with the Lord to take this away from me. Paul was referring in 2 Corinthians to a thorn in the flesh To a, and theologians and scholars said that he had an eye condition or he had an irritable bowel syndrome. They, I mean there's a million different things that you can read about Paul that this was this physical affliction that he dealt with. And he said I went to the Lord three times and what he said is I was begging God to heal me. Alas, God told Paul my grace is sufficient for you. He didn't heal him. But it doesn't mean that prayer is not that that, that pleading with God, that petitioning God, going before God and pleading with God. He didn't answer the first time or he didn't answer the fifth time or he didn't answer the tenth time. Don't stop pursuing God. I I had this guy in my my band. His name was... His name... It wasn't was anything. His name is Jonathan Schroeder. And uh, he joined the band, and he'd been praying for his dad for years. He's like, man, I just want to see my dad saved. I want to see my dad saved. I want to see my dad surrender his life to the Lord. I want to see my dad saved. He's been for about five years, and, and we would, his dad would get our album, and we would talk, and we would have gospel conversations, and his dad knew the Bible better than most of us did. He's just like, I'm good. I'm good. And I'll never forget about... Three and a half years ago, we planted a little church and all four years ago, probably pushing five, I don't even know now, but we planted a little church and his dad started kind coming, of his dad surrendered his life to the Lord, and I thought, man, the prayers of his son. Like his son, I I remember watching that kid plead with God for years. God, save my dad. God, save my dad. God, save my dad. He was never detoured, never never taken off track from that desire and that prayer. God, save my dad. So I'm encouraging you this morning. Some of you may be in that situation right now where you've been seeking the Lord, you've been praying, you've been wanting to see God flex over the situation. I, I challenge you. Scripture says... The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The effectual fervent prayer. That means when your head hits the wall, you just keep pressing into the presence of God because you know that you can trust Him. You know that He's faithful. And you know He will answer. Here's the thing. We need to be prepared as believers to swallow it when He answers something different than we've I've shared this with you a million times, and I'm going to just try to give you some concepts and, and some one, two, three, four number outline about letting you know how this is real to me. I've shared my grandfather's story with you a million times. He was a preacher, a godly man, falls off the ladder, has all these health problems. I'm praying, begging God to heal him, and he dies. Where do you, reckon, where do you, where do you sit that? Where do you reconcile that? Well, I had to file that away somewhere. Where can I file that? Because it was for his glory and my good. And I didn't see it at the time, but it was. And it is because he's a faithful father let me me, me just check this with you for a minute he has seen from eternity past to the end of the game He, he was there the moment that Satan looked up at the throne and thought you know, I could do this and he's seen all the way to the moment where Satan is finally bound and thrown into hell forever never to tempt the believers again that's who we're trusting in this morning that's who we're praying to this morning That's who we're believing that He sees further and deeper and greater than we do. So we're going to trust His answers to our prayers. So prayer is communion with God. Prayer is confession to God. Prayer is petitions of God. And prayer, I love this one, prayer is intercession for others before God. Luke 22, 31 is where... Jesus turns and begins to directly address Peter. He says, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. This is what he's saying. Satan's going to mess you up in this life. That's what Jesus, Jesus told him. He's desired to sift you as wheat. You know, the process of being weak being sifted is that it's put this bat and they throw it into the air and the wind blows and the chaff blows away and the wheat comes down. And it's tossed and it's tossed into the air. It's a brutal process for the wheat. Jesus was saying... Peter, Satan desires to sift you as weak, But then the next phrase is this in this view. He says, But I have prayed for you. So what he's saying, so, listen, Peter, Satan is going to try to trip you up and, and, and mess your life up. His objective is to kill, steal, and destroy, it, but I'm interceding for you. Listen to this, Hebrews 7.25 says, Therefore He is able to save completely those who come to God through Him because He always lives to intercede for them. Or another another translation says He is eternally interceding for the saints. Why can we make it when life presses against us? Why do we know when, when all hell is coming against us and life turns to... Just a terrible pile of mess sometimes. Why can we know that God is good and faithful? Because the good shepherd, the good son, the obedient, spotless lamb is standing between the wrath of God and the good of his sons and daughters and he's interceding for them. He's praying for you. He's interceding for you. He's lifting you up. Prayer is intercession for, so, so this is why, I'm going to a little highlighted note because I didn't want to forget this part. because sometimes we think prayer is about us, and we, we get conditioned sometimes to think, I want to get my prayer clause so I can get my fix or I can get my feel, or I can, you know, I, can, I can have this moment with God, that's what prayer is about, listen, prayer is about communion, it's about confession, it's about petition, but it is a beautiful opportunity. It is a beautiful opportunity for sons and daughters of living God to go into the presence of God on behalf of another son, and daughter of God, or somebody that's lost. To, to go into the presence of God, not on, the back, not, not on your own behalf, not to stand before God and say, God, I want you to do this for me, but to say, God, the only reason I want to come before you today is because of so and so. God, I want to stand in for them. They may not even know how to pray to you, but I want to stand in. I want to intercede for them. You get to be intercessors. That's a beautiful part of being a prayer warrior or being an obedient son and daughter of God who, who understands the biblical meaning of prayer. That I get to stand in on someone's behalf. That's why we have prayer lists. this stuff seems quirky and old and I, I'll be one of the first ones to throw some of them under the bus because all we pray for sometimes is livers and lungs and hearts and all this stuff and nobody ever talks about lust or sin or adultery or pornography and none of the real things that real people struggle with it's always like pray for my ears that I can hear a little clearer so so I'll be one of the first ones to talk about a prayer list but the beauty about a prayer list is to be able to say look at all these people look at all these people that I can when, let me say it like this. One of the greatest joys of my life. I have these notebooks, filed away in a box, and I don't do it. I don't do as much. I'm going to try to be some super Christian for you. I don't. I don't do as much as I used to, and I, and I wish I did it more. I needed it more. But, 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 when I was in high school, and, and, and just after high school, I would have these pages and pages of my prayer journal, just people's names. People I want to see saved, and I'm just. I'm giving you something practical to take home that you can do if you want to. People's names, and, and I put the president's name. I put, put people in leadership or authority over me, and people that I wanted to see. I'd always put my, you know, like half my family who aren't saved, because I want to see them saved, so I have to pay to be my own family members. But, but i would be praying for all these people, I kept this log, I and mean, man, I can go back now to this journal, and, and I have two or three great, great notebooks, and I, I can point things out that God has done. John's dad is in that book. Like I, can, I can go back and say, man, I prayed for that. So I want to encourage you not only while you're interceding for people something practical that you can do with that and you can make a prayer journal you can keep up with, with your prayers and with how God answers your prayers because listen to this, sometimes how many of us, like, like for real, right now how many of us in the last year, two years, five years God has answered some miraculous prayer like we've seen it or we've heard about it through a family member or friend we've watched it take place raise your hand you can put your hands down how many of those same people, including myself, this past week or the last few weeks have been discouraged and felt like God might not be there, that He's pressing against us? Right? the enemy's job is to take us and blind us to the beautiful fruit that the Lord's produced through prayer. But this is what your prayer journal will help you do if you keep one. And I'm all convicted right now with you just to let you know. I'm like, man, yeah, i got to get home and start writing. The enemy wants to make us forget the faithfulness of God. Something as simple as jotting out a prayer journal will allow you to get well, when you hear those thoughts of doubt, those thoughts of man, this Jesus stuff isn't real, or man, He won't save, or He won't heal. You can go back to that prayer journal. You just you ain't got to say nothing. You just put up, that hold over up there and be like, all right, all right,
1: because
0: He has, He will, and He will
1: continue
0: to answer the prayers of the saints. Prayer is not not only communion and confession and petition and intercession for others. It is meditation with God. I love what he says in Psalm 63-6, right after David goes through the discourse of being intimate with God and mourning God and blessing him in many ways. He says this, at night on my bed, I think about it.
1: And I
0: just think on your name. I just think about it. There's this, this intimate part of meditation to where we just, we set some time aside or we still wait, or maybe in the night time. I do a lot of studying at night, late at night, because um, I'm a little bit ADD, and um, like that's one of the only tests in school i passed, and um, <laughs> <laughs> so i know that sure I'm good there. But but so late at night, usually is when my mind's just kind of all, all, like, it's slowed down a little bit, and, and, and there's a lot less distraction, so it'd be like, one or two in the morning, and, and and that's usually when the bulk of my sermons come. Just so you know, it's like I, I do study in the office and I read stuff, but it's usually like one or one or two in the morning where just this flood of stuff comes because I pushed everything aside, and i, I just sat with a few notes and a few scratched up things and thought, I just want to think on you, God, because you got to speak. I just want to hear what you have to say. So in those moments of meditation, that's also prayer next part is, is is leaning in and listening to God. Oftentimes we think that prayer, or we get conditioned to pray with a lot of words, but not a lot of listening. Right? And he, he, he warns us and encourages hey, don't be like the hypocrites who think that, or don't be like the heathen who think that for a lot of words, their prayers will be answered, because they say a lot of things. God listens more. Listen to this. I love 1 Kings 19, 11-13. This is what he says. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind and earthquake, and after the wind and earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. He wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the earthquake. After the earthquake, the fire came, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle or his overcoat and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. suddenly a voice came to him and said what are you doing here Elijah? See a lot of times in prayer we think in our times of prayer and meditation even our times of worship corporately and intimately and, and uh, privately we think that God is always going to be in the explosive we think that God's always going to be in the wind or the fire or the whirlwind or the earthquake. We're always looking for this, this shaking moment where God's just going to blow everybody back and all our hair's going to be blown back and we're going to experience But But how many of us is, is He trying to just, man, you know, I something along into the night to just whisper. We will not have those experiences with God. We won't have Unless we lean in, we press in, and we allow God to ruin the distractions and dismantle our idols and just listen to what He has to say. Is He a God that's in the wind and the fire? Sometimes. But it's a clear picture that sometimes we're looking for God in all these big explosions and God's just standing there like a friend, like a brother, like a father, like a faithful king saying that. Some of the best times of my life. And then me and my grandfather had some good times, and he was a, he was a crazy joke. He was funny. And we used to laugh and we, we fished together some, but some of my absolutely favorite times is when he would grab my hand, and he would sit me down at the dinner table, and he would open a word and just share something. Some of my favorite times when he would just kind of pull me to the side and say, wrap his arm around me and say, Hey man, I'm really proud of you. Some of you need that moment with God today. Some of you need to be reminded that God is a faithful Father He wants to wrap you in His arms and quiet busyness in your life and say, hey, I found you. You are special to me. I bought you with a price. I purchased you with my blood. You're mine. And because of all the noise and looking for Him and all these other things, we we, we lose sometimes this intimate listening experience with God because we're looking for Him in everything else. Prayer is communion. Prayer is confession to God. Prayer is intercession for others. It's meditation with God. It's leaning in and listening. And listen, prayer is powerful this morning. Mark 11.23 For assuredly I say to you whoever says to the mountain be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that those things he says will be done he will have whatever he asks. Acts 28.9 His father was sick and dead suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him and prayed and placed his hands on his head and healed him. James 5.14-5 If anyone is sick among you let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord and prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. There's evidence this morning that not only is fair communion and intimacy and petitions and intercession and meditation and leading and listening, but prayer is powerful this morning. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is that moment where we get to ask God these things, step out of the way and watch God just flex over. Right? I know when I flex, you don't get the full... What it should be, but what I'm saying is the opportunity that God just gets to flex out of that situation. And it's powerful. It's powerful. Last point of these little points is, is, and if anybody wants any of these to just remember, I'll email them to you. Last thing prayers of discipline. Hebrews 12.11 says, For in the moment. All discipline seems painful. Rather than pleasant. But later on, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to, to those who have been trained by it. Prayer is a discipline. You, most of us won't wake up every day and think, man, I, I'm going to go into my prayer calls I'm going to pray for an hour I'm going to pray for five minutes I'm like, whatever your, your meter is, right? whatever your time you commit to the Lord. And I, I'm going to do this. And there, there are a lot of days... There will be a lot of days when life is pressing, or busyness is pressing, and you think, man, I, still, I don't feel like praying right now. Well, a lot of us, we're, we're Sunday school trained, so if somebody would be like, you love to pray, we'd be like, all the time. Right? <laughs> Jesus. That's the answer, right? I'm not knocking Sunday school. I love Sunday
1: school. <laughs>
0: but, but I'm knocking this idea that we all have to have the right answer at all times, and that if somebody says, Hey man, how's your prayer? Like, oh, it's good, bro. Or are you praying? Yeah, I pray. So man, prayer's hard. Prayer pray is difficult. Because you're not just warring against your own ideas or even against some sickness or, or, or some situation or somebody's lostness. Scripture says that we are warring against the principalities of hell and darkness. We, we, are, we are standing against the enemy in prayer spiritual wickedness in high places. That's what Scripture says. We are standing. But listen, this is where you've got to understand it. You're not standing in your own authority. You're standing in the name and the authority of Jesus Christ. Who can silence the demons of darkness. Who can save the lost, who can heal the sick, and who can raise the dead. That's whose authority we're standing in. And it's a discipline to make a constant thing in your life. Last thing this morning I want you to, to hear and, and, and to grab on to is that prayer is faith and trust. When we pray, and we're going to be challenged to pray this week, there's there going to be opportunities that all of us can pick up that challenge and say, well, I'm going to pray about this. situation rather than just make it something Dorome rash decision. God's going to intercede for me to bring you stab me in the back rather than lash out against them and gossip. God's going to I'm going to pursue you in prayer for this financial situation rather than, than just think it, it, it's all a pod. And God's going to pursue you in repentance and intimacy. Right. We're going to have this opportunity. But what we're going to have to have, what's going to have to be married to those ideas, is faith and trust. Hebrews 11 one says faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith this morning is when you don't see a healing, you don't see a way out, you don't see how in, how in the world this person could ever get saved but still believing and clinging to the word of God and pray anyways. To follow Christ in this generation, in this day, we have to have that kind of faith. But that kind of faith, that God, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at you, I, I'm, I'm blinding myself from the world, God, I'm going to seek after you. I'm, I'm believing what you said, even though the situation was horrible. I'm looking at you, and I'm believing in you, and I'm believing for you to flex, God. I'm also going to trust God for that if they die, or if the financial situation goes to ruin, or the friendship is never restored, Not only am I going to have faith that you can and will do those things, but if you don't, I'm going to trust that it was for your glory and my eternal good. That's a hard place to be. That's a hard place to reconcile our heart. God, I I want to have this faith. I'm going to have this faith. I'm going to cling to this thing until the very end. Don't think that, that I haven't lost a family member that I prayed for that he's healed a bunch of times and then at the funeral, walk around and just kinda of laid a hand on their shoulder without anybody seeing it. Like, God rose from the dead if you to see. I ain't playing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I knew I knew all the
1: medical
0: stuff that had already went on, but I'm like, God, you can do it, I'm just gonna
1: get
0: Unwavering faith. I'm not saying I have unwavering faith, my faith wavers. I get disturbed sometimes. I get beat up sometimes. I'm like, God, where in the world are you? And then in the still small voice, he whispers, out here, and they're waiting, and they're waiting for and I'm going to answer you. But you've got to trust me. You've got to trust me that even if you don't get what you want, even if you, even if you don't get this thing, that it's for your good and my glory. Because ultimately, you've got to remember about Even in prayer, in life, it's not about us. It's all about Him. It's about His glory. It's about His now. last thing. We're to and James is going to come around the time of invitation and our prayer team will be up here. If you want to come pray? if you have the desire to come pray? After a sermon of prayer everybody's going to be thinking, oh God, I don't come. He's standing on the dead Our Father in Heaven. That's how Jesus closed and said pray. Our Father in Heaven. And that's what i unpack this. I'm going to so but when you say that phrase, our Father in heaven, what we're saying is our Father who is supreme, who has the authority, our Father, the Father that we call up in his lap and we say, Dad, this is what I need. Dad, this is what I'm going through. And often dads know what their kids need before they even come to them. So he picks this up in the cradle: It's Our Father who art in heaven, that last phrase, who are in heaven, means that he is supreme and he is over all. He is omnipresent, omniscient. He knows all things and sees all things and knows what's best for you. So we pray that way this morning. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debts. Do not lead us in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and power and glory forever and amen. this morning my prayer for you and my prayer for myself is that we would realize that prayer is an opportunity to be intimate with the lover of our souls. The one who bought our souls out of slavery It's an opportunity this morning for us to to lay everything else aside and say my conversation, my meditation, and my confession is aimed towards you not only for my benefit but for others. And to realize in that that he is your father in heaven who owns all the power and all the glory forever. This morning, I, I want to challenge you. And where's Jamie? Jamie, come on, If you don't mind. Not even challenge. Challenge feels, challenge feels like a wrong word to even use here. I want to invite you to pray. Um, and, and you can do it here and all three of your seat. but, but um, husbands and wives, I, I'd love for you just to just kind of your hands and. And he might have he might have had a knockdown and drag out before he got into the church. I really don't care. <laughs> this will be the best thing for you. I want you to just kind of hold hands and grab hands and I, during this time of invitation, you don't have to come forward. I, I just I, I just want you to draw close to the people that you love. Maybe and you say, man, I'm sitting here by myself, I don't know somebody. Well don't be worried out if somebody just puts their arm around you and loves on me for that.